Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Conquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got two women who lead fierce, fantastic rock bands, Carly Hartzman and Marissa DeBeese. Now, Hartzman is the driving force behind the band Wednesday, which started as a soloish vehicle for her songs back in 2017, but has blossomed into a full band with an already sizable catalog. Everything they've done is worth checking out, but it sure feels like Wednesday hit exactly what they'd always been striving for on the album Rat Saw God, which came out earlier this year. Hartsman's lyrics are both pointed and poetic, amazing in their specificity, and delivered with some serious passion, whether in a countryish moment or one that feels almost metal. Today's other guest, Marissa DeBeese, thinks Wednesday sounds like Black Sabbath meets Sparkle Horse, which is both accurate and something that's probably never been said about any band before. Check out a little bit of Bull Believer from Rat Saw God right here. Now, Marissa DeBeese is the voice behind Mannequin Pussy, a band that's been releasing blistering music since 2010. Just this week, Mannequin Pussy announced the release of their long-awaited fourth album, I Got Heaven, which will come out in March of 2024. Hartsman, as you'll hear in this conversation, has already gotten a listen to the record, which was produced with John Congleton, and she loves it. The title track is already getting rave reviews for taking Mannequin Pussy's intense punk energy and adding a bit of sweetness with some synths and a sugary chorus, but those aspects almost make it sound even more confrontational in a way. In any case, it's awesome. Check out a little bit of the title track from I Got Heaven right here. In this chat, these two friends talk about touring and specifically about how unusual it can feel to perform and how that can lead to actual tears on stage. Not the most fun experience. They chat about the difference between Mannequin Pussy and Wednesday fans and about the pressure to enjoy your success while it's happening. Oh, and about saunas. You gotta love a sauna. Enjoy. Are you at home right now? No, it looks like it though, right? Yeah, I'm actually in a pretty, like, fancy room. I'm at an Airbnb in, um, I think I'm in Columbus. I'm in Columbus right now. Yeah. Well, we were in a position where we could be in the same place for two nights. So we're like, let's let's do an Airbnb. Let's get some doors we can close. So it is, it's actually kind of a nice treat after, like, weeks of hotels. The last time I did one of these, um, Katie from Waxahachie was interviewing me, and I was on tour, and I was so tired, but there was so much I could talk about because tour is crazy and you're so you got through all your like deserty crazy dates and stuff that there's the really long drives and stuff or are you still kind of waking up at 6 30 sometimes yeah we're still waking up at 6 30 yeah it sucks i like i wish i had like a more elegant way to say it sucks but this and i feel so dramatic too for all the tours i've been on i'm like this is like the hardest one i've ever done I mean, following a tour bus is crazy when you're driving yourself. My thing in the industry that, like, I want to change so badly is just mm-hmm. the the idea that 
any band should be doing Denver and Salt Lake City back to back. Yeah. I feel like the in, in, the industry standard needs to be a day off between those drives just for safety and wellness or just for yeah. the ability to continue on because it's such a dangerous drive. Some people probably just don't care or whatever, just aren't thinking about the people who are driving themselves or whatever. Yeah. It's very scary. But yeah. hey, you know, we're out here, we're living, we're, yeah. we're waking up early. Not today. I got to wake up at 11 today. Thank you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Yay. Where are you now? I'm at my parents' house. Oh. Yeah. I heard a beautiful bird chirping. Yeah. I So we have like three weeks off for the first time in like a year. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a baby and like not do any grocery shopping <laughs> and just like go to my parents' house for at least a week and then um, yeah, my friend's getting married, so I'm going to go to his bachelor party and, like, smoke a bunch of weed. Hot. Yeah. I come here a lot when I need to, like, come down off of a tour. Yeah. Like, sometimes you need to kind of regress in a healthy way a little bit just to yeah. kind of, like, take care of yourself. I was thinking about that yesterday, actually, about how all my good habits that I work on really hard to develop when I'm home just immediately... I find it so difficult to sustain as soon as I'm on a tour like this again. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, especially if you like, say, get into like drinking like a green juice every morning. Like you can't bring <laughs> your vegetables on tour or something. And you can do it every day at home and feel so good. And then immediately you just feel like absolute shit because you're doing something really healthy every day and suddenly you're just not. Even yeah. like meditating. It's like if I'm like going to mm. meditate in the morning, it's like I'm now meditating around seven other energies instead of like closing myself off for, you know, 20 minutes. But I can't complain too hard because this is what we've chosen. I don't like to think of it as complaining as much as just venting because I feel like there's only so many people you can talk to that understand. Like, I've never been able to do therapy because I, it's so hard to explain all this stuff that we have to deal with to a therapist. Same. Because... But you have to know so much context for everything that we deal with. And if your therapist isn't a touring musician, it's like, how would they ever know? <laughs> I do have a friend who used to be a touring musician who then went to become a licensed therapist. So when they have their license, maybe I'll start. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad idea. I do like stretching in the morning on tour. That's the only thing I can really do because otherwise I'm, I'm in so much pain. And then I get, I'll get like a massage on a day off when I can. I do exactly the same thing. Yeah. I don't like really drink anymore either because mm. my body just can't accept alcohol. Like just my taste buds changed or something. It feels like it turns to a sour in my mouth. And I just huh. was like, I think this is my body's way of just saying, hey, we're, we're just going to reject this for now. I just, I went through a thing with that, like right after COVID, kind of when we started playing again, I was like, I can't drink it all. But that's, it wasn't because <laughs> of the taste. It was because I would get immediately like sick like my body would just get like sick in the morning like from even a beer two beers um, and I just recently started to be able to drink again which is not great it's like a huge crutch for a lot of musicians but I don't yeah. drink at all at home yeah very rarely will I and I, I don't drink at all before I play a show I can't be so loose that I mess up well, you move a lot more on stage than I do I think <laughs> that's honestly like one of the things about going guitarless that I enjoy so much because mm. you play guitar throughout the set right yes yeah I never take it off unless I'm switching guitars Are, have you ever had the desire to be like in mannequin pussy universe we call it a uh, going unleashed yeah oh my gosh I mean it sounds awesome 
And I appreciate when other people do it. There's one song we do where I don't play guitar until the end. So I need my guitar on, but I don't have to like touch it. Mm. And I never know what to do. Sometimes I'll just like walk over to people and (laughs) stuff. But something about being on stage and being performing sometimes makes me feel like I don't own my own body. And I'm like Mm. a, it's like a, it's a performance. And so like in my normal life, sometimes it's, I've led to, it's, I've become more dissociative because I feel like my body doesn't belong to myself. I know we were talking kind of about how stage persona is so different than actual persona, but yeah, like what is your relationship with uh, your physical body like and performing, I guess is the question. My background when I was growing up was I did ballet for like, 13 years. I think I did ballet from the ages of like three to 15 or 16. Whoa. Maybe. So I I feel like I was really trained kind of in in the art of how you use your your body as this vessel that is supposed to show emotion. Because, you know, like in in ballet, you're not using your, your voice or an instrument to give out an emotion you're using your body to show an emotion and the way that you use it. So I really felt like a lot of like my stage training really came from my experience with ballet and just learning how to use your body in ways that maybe propel the emotion of something. But then yeah. like rock and roll and, and like punk music is also very different in the way that you use your body in ballet. So in, in a way where I felt like when I was doing ballet, I was so, so in my head, like so aware of every movement because it's so choreographed. Mm. It has to be so perfect. And then now I feel like I'm both so aware and so out of body at the same time where I really am no longer aware of like what my body is doing, Mm. where sometimes I feel like I'm even like dancing off time or like off rhythm because I'm just like, I'm so in the moment of my own uh, movements. Uh. But yeah, I definitely, I feel like I had like an, an early cheat code for like how to use my body on stage and how to have that kind of comfort come out. Hmm. That's interesting because I I grew up dancing, but I stopped before I can even really remember what it felt like. I don't remember what it felt like to be good at dancing. I remember lyrical was the big thing at the time. I guess it was like modern slash, like, I don't know. It was all very basic, maybe jazz dancing. We did this dance that was considered like lyrical or modern. It was more just like in the, uh, the song playing was, you're, you're Christian, right? You grew up Christian or did you? I did grow up Christian, yeah. Okay, so the song was like, it was a song, I don't know what it's called, but it was like, come to Jesus. Oh, so this is like a Christian dance group. It wasn't. That was just how, that's what the South is. It doesn't matter. And we were dancing (laughs) on a huge cross. It was a huge sideways cross. (laughs) That's the one I most remember. Have you ever seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of what you're describing almost feels like a pageant to me. Yes. It felt like that. I had a friend who did that and I was kind of jealous because it seemed like you're actually like, I don't know, like learning technique and stuff. And I feel like it was more expressive where, or just like purely expressive and less training what I was doing. Anyway, Mm. I feel like I would like to get more in touch with my physical body on stage. Cause yeah, I'm, I literally just sometimes imagine I am like the song and it gets really heady. And then I just, it leads to me feeling kind of discombobulated outside of me, like 
in my actual life. Maybe I think I might just deal with dissociation regardless, but I'm like on stage, I just feel like I am the emotion I'm singing about. Yeah. And then it just gets really uh, confusing sometimes. It's hard. <laughs> Have you ever cried on stage? Yeah, I had one really infamous show. Well, infamous to me, you know how it is. Um, but yeah. that no one, I mean, everyone that was at the show probably didn't realize how intense it was. But in my mind, I was just, I didn't want to be crying. Sometimes it feel goes, feels good to cry. But when you're crying against your will on stage, it really sucks. <laughs> um, and it was, we were doing a tour with They're Getting a Body of Water. And it was our first sold out show in Boston in the punk, the hardcore stadium. And the pressure of having a sold out show was a lot because I was like, I can't believe all these people are here for us. And during Bull Believer, it was also kind of near the anniversary of the event I was thinking about. It was just too much. And I immediately, I got home. I'm like, I need to get on an anxiety medication. And I've been on medication since then. And I've cried a few more times on stage, but it hasn't been anywhere near as bad. We had a really intense show earlier in this tour and Bear Bear loves Wednesday so much. I, like We all are like big Wednesday fans of Mannequin Pussy, but Bear was the one who kind of like got us all turned on to it. Mm-hmm. He put on a, your album in the band and eventually we were like, who is this? You know, like that that thing. And he's like, this is Wednesday. Yeah. I keep telling you guys. Like, <laughs> oh, we love this. Yeah. But he put on Bull Believer specifically yeah. after we played the show where I had just, something had happened. And like after, we, it was like the biggest show we had ever played I think there was like almost like 5,000 people there and it was like sold out and all these like emotional things were going on and I just played this sold out show you know that we were and then I went outside and I just was sobbing like uncontrollably for an hour and then like just trying to keep it together in the place where I had to and then we got back into the van to drive away from the show and then Bear put on Bull Believer and then as it got to the end I I felt like I was about to start having a panic attack, and oh I was like, God. "I was like, Bear, I, I, I need you, you need to turn it. To, off. I need, I need you to go to the next song, like right now." Yeah. And he was like, "I think at first he was like, ha ha," and I was like, "No, I'm like, I'm sobbing, and yeah. I just need you to go." And so I, it's interesting that you had that similar kind of like panic to something yeah. that you also wrote. It's funny that the thing these stories have in common is that we're both playing a big show that feels like a hallmark because there is something so frightening about working really hard and then achieving a goal and being like, this is like, how am I supposed to feel right now? Because when your quote unquote, like dreams come true, the pressure is so unimaginable and the pressure to enjoy it is so hard and... That's why I really am so glad I came up kind of, or the band came so slow. I'm sure you could relate too. Like, and in small chunks that were easy to accept. Because if we had blown up online and suddenly went from zero to 100, I would have lost my fucking mind. Because it's really scary to hit these landmarks because you have to think about how your life goals or whatever, like what it means to. Like, I don't know, it just re- you keep on having to move your goals, which is A, scary, because you're just like, when does this burn out? Like, when does it, when do I reach my goals? And eventually, like, you have to go down, right? And that yeah. pressure is really big. And then just like, yeah, like, feeling, fo- like, the pressure to feel fulfilled from achieving your dreams. I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you ever think about this? 
all the time, Carly. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just, it's same thing for us. Cause it's like, we've been around for a long time, but in, in like a a self-sustaining way, but every year Mm -hmm. there's been more eyes every year. There's like been kind of more attention, but I mean, even now it's like, it's been a long time since we put out a record. So I, I have kind of forgotten what it's like to have like a body of work that might like disappoint people or like or delight people or Mm. it's like it's it feels so scary because you work in such solitude for so long you like you just you tuck yourself away to make something and then the nature of what it means to perform is to be so out of your own like body and your own home and your own and and but like for years on end yeah and so I'm starting to kind of feel that panic again. Yeah. We haven't had a big break from, like, releasing since we started, basically, um, which I kind of appreciate because I think, yeah, that pressure would build up if I haven't had to, like, bear my soul in a new way, like, basically every year. <laughs> <laughs> I love pop music, but I don't feel fulfilled by sharing something that doesn't feel like I've grown or whatever. And I'm sharing yeah. something with the audience. So, yeah, and I, I feel, I'm sure you do the same thing with your writing. And... Like, yeah, you just have to, like, re-figure uh, out how to share that part of yourself with people with the new music. Yeah, people have asked me, why has it taken you so long to write a new record? And I'm like, just because that's how long it took. That's a funny question. Why? Yeah. yeah. Not to mention, like, you know, we had the advent of, like, the pandemic and things kind yeah. of, like, coming to a standstill. And I didn't find that time particularly inspiring I I didn't like create a massive like body of work during that time that maybe was like what people expected of artists that artists would just be like all right now I'm now I'm home and I'm gonna dig into myself but yeah I'm just like numb like everyone else how do you create when you're like wondering if we're all gonna survive (laughs) yeah exactly but now I, I feel like we're like on a back on like a rhythm again of now we have a record done and I'm like I want to already write the other one. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you offered to send it, I was like, I don't know, should I tell her that I already have it and already have been listening to it? Because I see it literally, I was thinking about messaging you for it. It was crazy. I was, it, we were in the van driving back from some tour dates and I was literally about to message you for a link. And then I looked down at my phone and your publicist had sent me like literally the second I thought to ask you. So we listened to it in the van and it fucking rocks. It's so good. Oh, and I, did you do a band listen? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love that's why that's some of our favorite stuff to listen to in the band, like friends, new music that they'll send you. Listening to a friend's band that you've played with and know their live set. And you're also like, we're friends. Like while you're listening (laughs) to it is so fun. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, 
as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Should we tell the people how we met? Sure, yeah. You can, yeah, you take, take the reins. We met in Boise, Idaho, because I think we both were slated to play in Boise on the same night. Mm -hmm. And the promoter had the sense to be like, let's just combine these shows. That show was so much fun. It was. And I was so reinvigorated by that. And we were talking about that a little bit when we saw each other. Um, also, thank you for, like, reminding me to explain stuff because I keep forgetting we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they want, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we were talking about uh, feeling really, cha- like, creatively challenged and inspired by bands that you're playing with. Like, I knew your performance was going to be so good. And it's just nice to feel challenged and, like, inspired to do a good set because it's hard to feel... Especially when you tour, do so many dates, you're like, it's hard to feel like I want to do really well. I was kind of telling you this too last time I saw you, just like, I don't know, I really don't want anyone to ever think I'm trying to be friends with them to like climb the ladder or whatever. And so I try to go really slow. And I'm glad it took a second of us kind of meeting and re-meeting. That always feels a little better than just like uh, like instant, like explosive thing. I'm really into video games and I feel like making friends is like the side quest sometimes of tour Mm. where you get like this special moment that isn't about the performance because like like you were saying like when your friends are there or like there's a or you're playing with a band that like really inspires you musically and artistically you want to bring it you don't just want to get through it like there's a certain point in tour where you have to get through it Yeah. And like you like psyching yourself up. You're like, all right, my body has reached a point that it doesn't feel like it can do this, but I just have to go. And then there's something that like kind of like wakes you back up about Mm. getting to be in a space with people who inspire you again. And I felt like that was very true for the MP crew when we played that show in Boise, where it was like everyone loved your record. And I also really felt it like I felt like the moment all of our, our two bands like met, it was like very like, ah, it was just like, yeah. I don't know, this like excitement and like, it, it felt like yeah. we had all kind of met before. One thing I noticed about all of your band that I love so much is mm-hmm. that you, you basically, you like all have the same hair. Yeah. So you all have the most like beautiful brown curly hair. You look like, you all look like beautiful baby deer. It's so funny because that, like, obviously, like, you don't plan for that. But for some reason, yeah, we all have this curly brown hair. Alan just shaved his head and I was like, you traitor. Jake always says he's going to, like, cut all of his hair off and, like, do all. Like, I almost think boys are more, like, 
funny about changing their hair than girls. Like he thinks about it so much. He's like, maybe today's the day I'll cut all my hair off. I'm like, either do it or don't. I don't really care. Shaving, shaving a head for boys is like the equivalent of bangs for girls. Yeah. Maybe I'm just going to do it. it. He overthinks it a lot. That's so funny. So wait, you said you're a gamer? I am a gamer. Yeah, I love it. Dude, our whole band is gamers as fuck. I am playing the new Zelda right now. Nice. Um, Tears of the Kingdom. Breathtaking. Nice. Beautiful. And then I just, I like just got a Steam game on my laptop, but this tour has just been so intense that I haven't even had a moment to dive yeah. into the refuge fantasy of a game. Yeah. But I just got into this, uh, this game called Baldur's Gate that kind of looks like it kind of looks like World of Warcraft meets, like, the Renaissance Fair. Okay. I think I just saw a video about this because isn't it, like, everyone's freaking out about it? I haven't gotten very far, so I can't say very much about it. But I, I decided to be a mage. It's my favorite thing to be in a Magic. What's the game that you all play? My taste is so different than the boys because everyone has a Switch. They do Zelda. They do Smash and Mario Kart and... They all have Tetris. Um, okay, classic. But I play all of the, like, really, and I am not ashamed at all. I play all the, like, girly as fuck, like, farming simulators. And you like those? Stardew Valley? I got one called, like, Fae Farm. That's just, like, fairy farming. And it's actually, like, I spent, it's mostly just, like, erase time in the van because it's actually quite boring. But I was just, like, <laughs> I literally just need something sometimes to, like, delete a bunch of time, you know? Did you grow up in Philly? Or no, I grew. Philly? Okay. No, I, I grew up in Connecticut. So like about okay. two and a half hours north of Philly. So okay. in that in that kind of East Coast way, where they all kind of have their separate cultures, but are very yeah. connected and close. Mm. So to me, like when I was kind of like coming of age and realizing I really wanted to get into music, I, I just I met people who were all living in Philly. And the music mm-hmm. scene there was so electric and alive. Like, it was that era of everyone having shows in their houses and basements. Yeah. And like, you know, like when you're a new band and like a proper venue is not going to book you. Mm-hmm. I, I feel really lucky to kind of like been able to come up in that scene. And so now I've been in Philly for like 10 years, which is crazy to me. And now I'm like, yeah. I think I, I do want to move somewhere new because I just like, I'm, I, I don't know. I have like such like a good a spirit of adventure in me. Like I, as much as I like lament sometimes the constant movement, I also mm-hmm. re- start to really miss it as soon as it's not in my life anymore. We see so many places that it's hard not to like imagine your life in every city if you were to live there. Me and Jake are going to have to move soon because we're getting uh, kicked out of our house in Nashville because our landlord passed away. And then, and it's going to be too expensive for us to rent or buy there because um, we kind of have a great situation because we've been there so long and it's the kind of thing where like the market's totally different so we can't afford anything now there so we're gonna move that's actually why i'm in greensboro right now because i'm looking for houses or river here but yeah north carolina rocks there's a great scene here it's in the middle of everything kind of in its own little middle like especially if you want to do deep more deep south touring which i think is it's my favorite touring because people are so stoked that you're there. Those are some of my, like, honest, I think uh, in the industry, they call them uh, sea markets. Yeah. But those are, like, my favorite places to play because there's yeah, such, same. like, an appreciation. The energy is, like, still, it's it's still, it's just still yeah. there. It's, like, still so, like, alive and, like, it means a lot to these people who usually get kind of passed over or have to drive yeah. hours to get to a show. 
you know. Yeah. Wait, did you, so you grew up in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm from, yeah, here in Greensboro. So I grew up in a sea market. And so seeing shows here can literally, because b- bands would come through so, I mean, you'd have to seek them out. They came through, but they had the potential to change the course of your life because you were suddenly not having exposure to something. Like it wasn't around if you didn't put in the work to find it. And so when bands would come here, I mean, it would be life-changing every show. It didn't matter if the band was, like, even just seeing, I didn't really see women consistently on stage until I was in Asheville, actually, for college. And then I was like, okay, wait, maybe I can do this, too. Oh, yeah. Like, pop-punk bands or whatever. You're another late bloomer, right? Because we're both Mm -hmm. late bloomers in music. Yeah. I started, like, junior in college, about. Yeah. I was, like, 23 when I started playing. Yeah. That's so cool. I always, that's such a fun like thing to hear as someone who wants to play music at that age and hasn't even begun to. I think that's so sick. <laughs> People like really don't believe that sometimes. They really mm-hmm. think that it's this thing that like, if you weren't a child prodigy at the age of eight, picking up the guitar, mm-hmm. you can't do it. But it's, especially for songwriters, it's like, yeah, you don't actually need that much prior knowledge before you can start writing a song. I, I did have a question for you. Are you into Sparkle mm-hmm. Horse at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I when I was listening to um, Formula One recently, mm-hmm. I felt like I I was like Mark Linkus's ghost, mm. it, or like his, like his like his spirit was like in that song. Like oh, it really. I oh, I, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, he passed away really close to where we live, and so I actually know a guy that has some of his like equipment. He just kind of, they they sold all of his oh, equipment wow. from uh, Knoxville where he was living. I think it was Knoxville, Tennessee. Like, East Tennessee and Western North Carolina are, like, right up against each other. North Carolina has always kind of had this identity because of merge records and other stuff happening here, indie music or otherwise. But, yeah, I, God, yeah, I love Sparkle Horse. Did you hear the new record that just came out? I did. I just love Sparkle Horse so much. Like, I I think sometimes the way that, you know, like, I love Elliot Smith very, very much as well, but... To me, like Sparkle Horse kind of also hit this that same kind of emotional bone mm. in me that just brings me to a very, you know, like a weepy place. Oh, yeah. It's so sentimental. Yeah. yeah. There's this, like, documentary that Jake showed me about him that is so— it's like a German— some sort of German television station, like, went to his house. Mm. Have you seen this? I'll send no, it to I you. No, I haven't. It made yeah. me love—I already love Sparkle Horse, but it makes you love him, like, 40 times more. I'll send it to you. It's so, and we made a documentary recently. And I was like, this is what I want it to be reminiscent of. I just want it to be us at our house, like, fucking around. Um, oh, I want to see yeah. this. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's becoming rarer for me to just love any music, which is kind of sad. Because, yeah, you just hear so much now. Yeah, I feel like the inside of your brain is all noise, and then you're trying to kind of turn it off. Like, my, like, yeah. Spotify wrapped is really depressing because it's all, like, pink noise, white noise, box fan like it's <laughs> it's so it's so sad. It's like this this yeah. year you listen to ten thousand minutes of like pink noise. I have a separate noise machine uh, for our hotel rooms because I I snore. Jake oh. snores. I always feel bad for anyone who's in our room when we share in a hotel room. We're fortunate now. We get three hotel rooms a night, which feels like awesome. a big come up. But we oh, we we yeah. divide them by snores. We so call smart. it the snoring suite. So, like, if you yeah. snore, you, like, have to go into this room together. And then the three of us that don't snore, like, share a room. 
I think me and Jake are really the only snoring people, which is makes us the perfect couple for that reason. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we we divide by morning showers and night showers because me and Jake just both take night showers, and if as long as we're with someone that doesn't also need a night shower, we can usually get to bed at a reasonable time. I'm also on team night shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't get into bed after getting all sweaty. On I'm always just like. Yeah. Why is anyone not taking a shower after all this gross ven- Like, venues are so gross. <laughs> they feel a little seedy still. Yeah. I mean, and I get why. It's a bunch of gross, smelly dudes coming in and out, like, every day. Um, and it's <laughs> uh, so sticky. And we're I'm getting less of that now. But, yeah, especially, like, DIY spaces sometimes. I love them. Can't live without them. But, yeah, they're, they can be pretty gross. Yeah, you guys have been on such a tear. Like, there's only a few bands in my mind right now where, like, it sticks out to me just how heavily they've been touring. Like, I feel, like, relieved, actually, that you're talking to me in a beautiful setting right now. Mm. And you're not talking to me on tour. Because if I had seen you, when did we see each other? Two weeks ago? A week? I have no idea. Something. Yeah, time is, it gets all fucked up when you tour. But yeah, yeah, something like that. I I would have been, like, kind of concerned if I was like, oh, shit, Carly's, like, already up there again. Yeah, we were really tired. Um, we, like, specifically asked for the month. Because we haven't been home when the leaves are changing in oh. a few years. And that's, like, the best time to be in Asheville and North Carolina in general, obviously. Anywhere, really, in your home when the leaves are changing. So we were just like, we are taking October off. And we still—I mean, we're going to be gone the back half of the month in Europe. But we got most of October off. I think we're we're all just in that really weird teetering zone where we're not working other than music because we can't because mm-hmm. we're but we're also like we also have to pay our rent and we're kind of we would hire you yeah like we aren't salaried yet so we're really like it's we're really having to work a lot and we're really tired um, but I think in my mind it's like we do this for another year and slowly take more and more time off because yeah we're you gotta survive obviously but yeah we're pretty fucking tired. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm very intentional about, about my time home and making sure I go to the sauna and go. Ooh, uh, me too. Yeah. Do you have a sauna in Philly? Oh, yeah. My gym has a sauna and then like oh. a, a sauna opened up on my block, like a special like massage sauna place that I yeah. also try to frequent. These nice. things that actually I was talking to um, Joe from the band Idols about this. We opened for them a couple months ago and he and I were chatting and like it's saunas came up <laughs> and I, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm a big sauna enthusiast and yeah. I, he is as well and now yeah. I'm starting to realize that like a lot of people in music are we're, we're I mean, like moths feel... to flame it just feels so yeah. good he got one installed in his house oh that's my dream that's my dream as well and you know what yeah not hmm. as expensive as one would think when you think about it, it's just a heater it's like a rock heater in a wooden room like or a wooden <laughs> vessel but yeah, I um, I feel like I like sauna on tour, especially like mid-tour if I can, because I'm eating worse than I normally eat. I feel disgusting. I'm drinking more than I normally drink. So I just want to like eat. Like I want it to get out of my body as quickly as possible. I feel so, ugh. And so medit. Sometimes like just the quiet is like, and just being in a room where like everyone's supposed to be quiet or kind of in their own zone, sweating. Ugh. That's how distance. I started meditating actually was because like my gym had a sauna and then Mm. I felt like I when I was in the sauna I felt like I was entering a meditative state and just like feeling so refreshed again 
And then I started researching meditation and was like, I think I'm at the point in my life where this makes sense now to try to, do you meditate at all? I've never been able to. I've never really tried that hard though. I had never like really tried or been trained in it or anything. But then mm-hmm. when I was like in this this rhythm of trying to get my body in the healthiest, you know, physical form it's been in order yeah. to, you know, do like what we do. Yeah. Meditation just kind of kept coming up in these weird ways where mm. my, I feel like my mind started thinking about it. And then I had three very, very different conversations with people who all brought up meditating to me. And then like when we were in mm-hmm. the studio recording the new album, our producer, John Congleton, was like started talking. I, I was talking about something and he was like, oh, that sounds like a a meditation thing. And then hmm. he was talking to me about transcendental meditation. So me and Kayleen started doing a transcendental meditation. And I have to say, I I happily drink this Kool-Aid now. I feel like it's been like kind of like immediately life-changing. I feel like very like fortified. Like I can just like, I can handle anything. Yeah. Which is Gosh, what you need yeah. in this kind of life. I feel like a lot of musicians are on the meditating thing just yet to deal with all this stuff that we need to deal with. Me and Jake are watching some stuff, something about Rick Rubin and all the people that he works with. And he's really into meditating uh, and transcendental. Yeah, I would love to get into it. What's your like approach to someone who's like just trying to start out? Much about other forms of meditation. But what I do like about TM is that it's like something that you have to go study I like the fact that you find like a center around you and there's like definitely a center in like Greensboro or Asheville or wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And you like, you go there in person and you're like trained in this, in this technique. And then it's like, sort of like you have a sponsor for life. Like you have a teacher who's available to you anytime. I was actually thinking about hitting up my teacher to be like, I'm having a hard time. Like, yeah balancing how to find this time. I also, oh, like, I'm a very, like, late sleeper, and sleep yeah. is the most, like, important thing for me on tour. It's, like, the only self-sustaining thing. So, yeah, I don't, so it's just, like, if you look at it, it is something that, like, you pay for, like, and it's, like, a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. But I, I like I like that it's gate-kept. I like that, like, you're not supposed to share the technique or your mantra or these secrets. Okay. It's like, it really feels like something that you do for you. The one thing that's kind of close to meditation I've been able to do, because yeah, I guess like I, I really struggle with getting too heady with just how disconnected I kind of feel. I'm already so like all over the place mental, or I just feel kind of disconnected. So the only way I'm really able to get into like a deeper part of my mind is when I have a physical treatment. So that's why I like acupuncture and oh, yeah. stuff I like also that. Do acupuncture. I need a physical sensation in my body to keep me mm. from like just getting too wrapped up in my own mind and just feeling completely un. It makes me feel like I'm not a human being. You <laughs> like, feel like music is? Uh, oh yeah. Is, is music like uh, this grounding force for you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As lo- I like performing, not necessarily performing makes me feel kind of like petty and I, I love performing it's really therapeutic but it gets me feeling kind of weird sometimes but yeah writing and playing music um like separately is like making anything making anything makes me feel really I do have a question for you mm-hmm. before I realized recently that on Spotify we Wednesday is now and fans also listen to huh. that Wednesday shows up under the Manica Pussy one and I was like you don't say 
no yeah. way. So I was curious, like, what are, like, Wednesday fans like? Oh, like, what, I, I like, actually what wanted you to ask you this, too. Okay, because I noticed... Okay, let me tell you what I noticed about Mannequin Pussy fans first. <laughs> so in Boise, I was just like, okay, we definitely have two different fan bases because your fans have a little more... Like, I would define your fans more as rabid, but not in a way like they're obsessed with you, but in a way where they're obsessed with the music, which is the best way, like the best kind of rabidity a fan can be, I feel like. They're extremely respectful. But they're really cool. They're like really fashionably, like fashionable too, which I always, (laughs) they have a very different style than Wednesday fans, I think. Um, And Wednesday fans are all over the place right now because we've done a lot of tours with like bands like Drive-By Truckers that are older and more inclined to like indie rock dudes. So we have like a lot of indie rock dudes, nowhere near as much as Jake's band. Jake's band has a ton of indie rock dudes. Um, But yeah, we have some of those guys and then we have like younger women. Um, I mean, very white, obviously it's indie rock. (laughs) Um, And then we get a lot of jumpers and moshers, which is cool because a lot of our songs are not moshable, but they find a way, Um, (laughs) which I think is actually really cool. As long as they're not like you do though. I, I feel like you could conduct like a a pit really if you wanted to because you have these moments I realized like watching you that I felt like Wednesday was like if like Black Sabbath and I I can't almost like remember you have this like this like these moments that are so heavy and so like almost like kind of like just like stoner medley to me hmm. that like really kind of fit in the like like basically like yeah like if sparkle horse and black sabbath had a baby to hmm. me oh, that's that. that's how i would just describe wednesday because like there's like a real pervasive heaviness in the mu- in hmm. like the instrumentation of it that like makes you like want to just like rock out and and hmm. you know like i think also something i really love about your band is that it's not just the melodies and the lyrics that get caught in my head. It's also the riffs. And so I can like totally imagine people just like going off and moshing to a Wednesday set as well. They find their way to bop around. (laughs) The long tour we did, I was trying to figure out how when it got too crazy, it was my first time kind of being like, all right, y'all need to like settle down a little bit. But yeah, no, they're, I love Wednesday fans. They're all over the place and demographic, which is cool. But yeah, very appreciative of the words and, um, whatever well they're telling us we have to wrap it up okay cool well that's perfect (laughs) but anyway i but to to wrap it up i will say i think there is a bond and a connection that can be had between a mannequin pussy fan and a wednesday fan and that's why we're uh in the related artists whatever because i think those both of our fans would if they don't know the other band they would love the other band i think that's an inherent thing yeah, I agree. I think especially with our next record, too, that's going to become a little bit more obvious maybe to people. Because mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, the next record is has a lot more, like, I feel like breadth of sonics to it. Yeah. Maybe, whereas, like, our other stuff was slightly, like, a little bit more, like, straightforward, just, like, kind of punk yeah. feeling. Now, yeah. uh, now now we're flirting with, it, with indie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got... It- Runs the Gambit, though, which, oh, it's such a good record. I can't wait for people to hear it. I'm so excited. Well, I'll hit you up very soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for doing this with me. I was so excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Carly. Thanks for thinking of me. (laughs) Of course. Good luck with uh, Loden and the shows and the rest of the tour. Stay safe and take care of yourself. Thank you. I'm going to try to find a sauna. You inspired me. 
Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Marissa DeBeese and Carly Hartsman for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting service and check out all the goodness at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.